You're tuned in to the Tales and Tunes podcast with this episode 16. Excited to have another guest with Midwest Roots on this week, Nebraska-raised and Denver local Aaron Lee. But as always, let's kick this podcast off with B Tsunami's number one track pick of the week. This week's pick is actually a track that is on my newest studio recorded set called 50 Shades of Blue. The track is entitled Alada, produced by Terra Chroma, and the release can be found on Technosis Records. Yeah. <laughs> 
everybody for this episode 16 of the Tales and Tunes podcast. My guest this week is originally from Nebraska and like many of us Midwesterners made the smart move and relocated to Colorado several years ago. He's been DJing since 95 and producing for 10 years as well with releases on Evoked Recordings. Resident DJ of the Wee Jack crew, please welcome Aaron Lee to the podcast guys. Aaron, thanks for coming on buddy. Thanks for having me. How you doing? Doing good man. Uh, yeah. A lot happening. Uh, here in the, the beginning of 2016. How's uh, the year been treating you so far? It's been a little crazy, but like mostly good crazy. Good things are <laughs> happening. Good things are happening this year. Heck yeah. What uh, highlights do you have so far? See, probably the Weejack party a couple weeks ago. That was a really good time. Mm-hmm. I was there till six, danced the whole night. Had so much fun that, at that party. Asher Perkins, yeah, he was phenomenal. Yeah, he, Asher he Perkins. So <laughs> yeah, he was a super cool guy, too. And yeah, he, he threw he was, it down. He was in control of that music for every second. Yeah. He knew exactly what was going on all the time. He was on point the whole night. That was probably the my favorite uh, headliner that uh, oh. Paul's brought yeah, so far. Yeah. He just slayed it, man. I was not man. expecting that at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was very refreshing. Uh, anything coming up you're looking forward to here in the near future? Uh, there's a show at Echo on Friday that we're both playing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, what's it called? Uh, the Swivel Art Gallery. Swivel, no, it's Kevin Callison's event. Yeah, yeah, Kevin Callison, one of the, he's been on the podcast before. He's an uh, awesome guy. Yeah, yeah, super cool guy, another Midwesterner from Ohio. Uh, but he's one of the, uh, owner and operators of Echo House, and, uh, He's he's uh, more on the artsy side, so he's doing. Uh, they're I guess they're bringing in a whole bunch of art and uh, showcasing it. You can buy it. They're gonna have like, be live art too. Live art, yeah, live yeah. art painting and uh, uh, aerial artist. <clears throat> yeah, there's gonna be an aerial silk artist and yeah, yeah, yeah. It should be a, should be a really freaking good time. Kevin is good at putting stuff together. Yeah, the, the lineup is phenomenal. Some of my favorite people. Mm-hmm. With you and Brian Bellis and Kevin. Like, yeah. It's an awesome lineup. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, this past weekend, I was kind of kind of a hermit and stayed home. Well, I did go out to the E.O. Klein show, uh, the Denver Winter Show. That. Yeah, he was... He's he, one of my favorite producers and favorite DJs for like 10 years he has been. And I, I had stuff to do that night, so I couldn't go. But. Yeah, he was he was really good, yeah, man. He was really good. Yeah, he's that's that's my style of progressive, so it was yeah, just it's the, me too. Yeah. friggin' awesome to see him play. But besides that, yeah, I kind of stayed in all weekend because uh, I've been putting a new uh, two-hour mix together that's actually going to be featured on uh, Shay Delaney's uh, DI radio show on the uh, Deep Tech station, which is my favorite station on DI. <laughs> Shay's one of my favorite humans on the planet. Shay and I go way back. She oh, yeah. Has serious history. Mm-hmm. We've done five or six tracks together. Yeah. We used to play together all the time. I just found out he he sing like I've some of his stuff came up on Pandora randomly when I was listening to the Bob Moses station, Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, its track came out. I'm like, damn, this is fucking sexy. What is this? And I look, I'm like, Shay and Andre, are you kidding me? (laughs) And then I told him about it, and he had no idea that it was even on Pandora. He's like, I gotta tell my uh, publisher or publicist or whoever. Yeah, Yeah, he's like, I gotta tell him thanks because he had no idea that it was on Pandora, and it came on the Bob Moses station. So it was. Yeah, and he did the, his own vocals on the track and everything. It was super cool. Yeah, she she did a lot of stuff for me back in the day. Mm-hmm. She did a lot of good stuff for me. Yeah, he's an awesome guy. Yeah, I'm lo- yeah I'm looking forward to getting this mix out too. Uh, I decided to call it uh, Fifty Shades of Blue, as in B L U, like Blue Blockers, because yeah. I'm gonna take this silly ass picture with. Uh, <laughs> I have like five pairs of Blue Blockers from over the years. I've never lost any pair. I just I 
which is amazing. Before I started wearing blue blockers, I never, I, I could only hold on to a pair of shades for I like can't. a week. I can't yeah. save sunglasses for two weeks. <laughs> and, and when I started getting blue blockers, for some fucking reason, I can't lose them. So I have like four pairs of them. I'm going to have them I all on my face and 50 shades of blue. And I came up with the name and I didn't even realize that shades as in shades like yeah. sunglasses <laughs> so uh it was just a play on that that stupid movie or, or book or whatever but yeah yeah i'm looking forward to to getting that out um uh besides that i i have a freaking crazy week at or week coming up uh week into the weekend uh my brother and my dad are coming out uh flying out tomorrow and uh we're gonna head up to the mountains for two days of skiing going to Vale and then Beaver Creek for my first time. Following that up Thursday night by going to Hot Springs, which is going to be tight. And then uh, coming back Friday, uh, there's a big pair of hockey games going on. The Red Wings versus the Avalanche. They're setting up a temporary field at the uh, Coors Stadium, or Coors Field, the baseball stadium. And uh, so it'll be outdoor. And uh, they're bringing back all of the players from uh, 2006 to, or no, from the rivalry of 96 to 2002, which is hands down the greatest rivalry in hockey. And they're bringing back all the like players from those era. They're playing one more game. So as a as a Red Wings fan, I I, I could not ask for a better yeah. uh, <laughs> a hockey game to to go see. And I'm almost I'm almost hoping it snows because I think that would be. It's been tonight. Yeah, yeah. Like it'd be surreal to be watching hockey and just like snow. snowing, like oh, yeah. <laughs> professional hockey. <laughs> Take me back to the old uh, pond pond hockey days in Iowa. <laughs> it doesn't sound like a bad week though. That sounds like a week. Yeah, time. yeah. Good time. Oh, and that that ain't even it. That ain't even <laughs> it. After that, we right after the game, we will walk to Comedy Works, and one of my favorite uh, comedians, Duncan Trussell, is performing. So I get to go to a comedy show after that. And then, like we were talking earlier, uh, the show at Echo House is that night. So, so, so at the end of it all. Yeah. It's, li- it's literally everything I love in like uh, a four-day frame uh, from snowboarding to hot springs and relaxing to a, a, a professional sports game, a comedy show, and then DJing. So <laughs> I'm really looking forward to this uh, next few days. Uh, besides that, we have, uh, I just got booked to play, uh, Bernal Equinox. There's a day party at, uh, Fusion Factory. It goes from like 2 a.m. till 2, or 2 p.m. to 2 a.m. I think I heard about that. And it's an outdoor, it's like outdoor and it's an actual sanctioned Burning Man event. And, uh, uh, my buddy Alex, who did the podcast, uh, the last guest on my podcast, Alex, who, Johnson, who owns the Globus. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's setting up the stage there, and uh, nice. he's having me and my girlfriend play. So that'll be a lot of fun. Other than that, I I want to let our listeners know, and uh, you know as well, that together has the date has been set for this summer again. We will be returning to nine thousand feet. Best party ever. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was the best party. Of the, it was the party of the year so far. Yeah, yeah. Has been literally there. yeah like pe- people that didn't even go or even knew it was going on are, are, yeah. are talking about it so the hype is big and uh we're, we're getting real excited to bring that midwest vibe to uh the mountains once again uh the date is going to be the last weekend in uh, july so july 29th through the 31st so mark your calendars uh 
friend me on Facebook if you haven't already and ask for the event invite because uh, we, we're trying to send out as few invites as possible. We really don't want to invite anybody that isn't going to come. So please, uh, yeah, just hit, hit, hit me up and uh, we can make that shit happen. Uh, otherwise, yeah, let's uh, switch gears and talk about uh, Aaron Lee here. Uh, trying to th- I was thinking about it when the first time I, I met you, I believe it was uh, when you were doing those shows in Boulder and you brought uh, Complicit. Complicit, yep. Yeah, Complicit's a married couple from um, the Minnesota area. Minnesota, they're really good, really good at music. They're great people. They're yeah, like, they're a perfect married awesome. couple and they, they, yeah. they make amazing music together. So, yeah, what were you doing in those shows in Boulder? Or what was... I had a monthly there and, and if somebody was going to be in town or, you know, wanted to arrange to come into town and I could get him a gig I could always get him a gig so I would just bring my friends from out of town to come play one night in Boulder with me. the absinthe bar absinthe, right yeah. yeah I remember I did absinthe that night the whole flame thing or the yeah, sugar cube it. and everything my my other friend who actually bought me the shot uh got no WI that night <laughs> <laughs> and I haven't really seen no, him much no. since <laughs> do it yeah, well, when you do, when you do absinthe in Boulder and try to drive a truck back to uh, Evergreen, uh, you're you're probably probably not going to make it too far. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, other than that, yeah, the other time I uh, really sticks out when I met you uh, or remember you is uh, the was it two years ago for years Denver ago. Winter Showcase? Yeah, two years ago, yeah, you uh, brought uh, John Tejada to the Fusion Factory. Yep, that was a fun party. <laughs> That was, that was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. It was really good, too. I actually missed most of that party because I was at the door most of the night. But <laughs> and that's why I remember seeing really you. Like, it really looked like they were having fun. Yeah, yeah. He he threw down. Um, yeah, we. I was up front for like the entirety of his set, just losing my mind. <laughs> it was it was a lot of fun. He just played here a few weeks ago. Uh, at but Echo. Yeah. At Echo House, yeah. yeah. But me and Aaron were both... Uh, uh, playing another Wee Jack party, which or the Asher Perkins party, yeah, we were Asher just Perkins parking party. about, yeah. so we couldn't get away. But I, I wasn't too upset with no. <laughs> the music we we were blessed with that night. <laughs> oh, it's good. So let's talk about, uh, yeah, uh, just the Nebraska days and and growing up. So uh, you're born and raised in Nebraska. What part? From Columbus, Nebraska. It's about ninety miles west of Omaha. I have family there, actually. Do you? I, yeah, I've spent many a reunion there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's where I grew up. Right on. So, growing up, what kind of st- what kind of interests did you have as a child? The um, hobbies, or did you collect shit? Or I liked music. I liked hair bands, though. I was all into hair bands. Oh yeah. Fourth, fifth grade, I remember. Um, and I was fishing all the time, all the time. Good fishing in Nebraska. Yeah, rivers? Rivers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Swam in many a river in so <laughs> Nebraska. <laughs> Cow pasture. <Yep. laughs> Cow pasture rivers. <laughs> so yeah, the the music you said you listened to hair bands, was that influenced by somebody? No, I just just kinda I into think it? I I just think I wanted to be into whatever my parents wouldn't like. Oh yeah. <laughs> what were rebellious even what were your parents into? They probably thought that was the devil, you know, <laughs> with the makeup and yeah, and they they, they weren't into that at all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like Johnny Cash and Willie Nelson and stuff like that. Oh, okay, gotcha. When you got into high school, what kind of, what what did you get into? Were you into sports or did you play I any sports. instruments? I played uh, played the guitar. I think I started when I was 15. played baseball and I played soccer. Mm-hmm. But um, I really just started getting into music, like this kind of music, precursor to this kind of music, 
in high school. I had a buddy, um, he's my best friend, and he listened to Depeche Mode and Joy Division. And, and what year would this have been? Like this would have been like 92, 91, 92. Okay. And so I listened to metal, but I listened to that stuff too. And that stuff really kind of influenced me into what I do now. So were you in Columbus at the time yeah. then? Okay. So you played played guitar. Did you did you end up getting into any bands or anything like yeah, that? Yes. In rewriting bands. music I was or trying to. It wasn't very good, but mm-hmm. yeah, I was I was trying, but you can't you can't succeed unless you fail. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay with all that. Did you learn to read music then, or were no, you just kind I of self talking? Self taught. So when did you discover electronic music exactly then? Um, when I was sixteen, I was going to this after hours club called the Run. With my in Columbus, yeah, it was in Omaha. We would drive to Omaha every weekend. Okay, and we'd go to the run. The run was a gay bar. My best friend was gay, so that's where his people were, and I was his best friend. So I'm going to go protect him because I don't yeah. want anything happen to him. You know, this is my buddy. Yeah, being 16, and so I was going to the the gay after hours when I was 16 years old, and that's when I started hearing house music because that's what they listened to, mm-hmm. straight house music, and I loved it. I was dancing with all these gay guys, having a blast. <laughs> That's it was awesome. Fun. It was fun. So, do you does is there a first party that sticks out in your mind when it, or um, was it just those events? The first, was it, were there the any first actual rave I went to mm-hmm. was ninety two. I was sixteen or seventeen, and you had to be eighteen to get in. And so I altered my ID to look like I was 18. How'd you do and that? I just, I don't even remember how I did it. I just took a marker or something like something <laughs> stupid that should not have worked. I just looked at it and let me in. Well, it was the 90s too, yeah. so early on. <laughs> that was in... Uh, in Omaha. In Omaha. This guy G had come to Omaha. He's in the Air Force. And he was stationed in, in England before this. And that's where he picked up like straight... The beginnings of underground house. And yeah, techno yeah. Techno was, was, you know, those raves were in England. So mm-hmm. he was going to those big raves in England in the late 90s, or late 80s, early 90s. So he brought a real sound, and it was the first real party with, that was real, you know, people with glow sticks, and everybody's looking for drugs. <laughs> you know, like a real rave. Yeah, yeah. And it was pretty awesome. What? So it was house music then? It was then? house. Yeah, it was okay. house. Do you remember the headliners, or was it? It was G3. His name was oh, G3, G3 was yeah. the guy. Yeah. Okay. He's like the founder of, of house music in Omaha. Multiple multiple rooms or no just one room just one room just one room. What was the warehouse space? It was a it was like a like a hall like a firefighters union hall or something. Oh okay, like something like that. So. What was the state of the scene? Was that so that guy was the first guy the to first bring guy to like, a rave? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he was a, the resident DJ at a club. When I lived there, I moved there when I was eighteen. So he was the resident DJ when I when I could go out to after hours at eighteen. Did you just move to Omaha to get closer to the music? Just moved to Omaha because that's where my friend moved. So I oh, okay. To Omaha to get, and then that's when I like dove headfirst into the music, and mm-hmm. you know, my entire life has revolved around this music since that. Was there other were there other scenes, music scenes, kind of hopping in Omaha? Um, Three Eleven was kind of coming up. Yeah, yeah. There, Did you get big. to see him back in the original yeah, days? Yeah, I've seen him several times. That's um, awesome. I saw him in '92 at a warehouse with like. 30 or 40 people <laughs> <laughs> that's totally yeah. trippy man <laughs> and, uh, I've actually partied with the guitar player we, we were getting tattooed at the same time at Big Brain in Omaha and it was after hours and after we got done we all, all four of us tattoo artists and me and him we went out and drank so much when you're 18 or no like 20 no this is probably 10 years ago oh right? okay but oh that's pretty yeah. sweet man it was a lot of fun it was a lot of fun cool awesome guy. Do they, they don't still live there do they no no no, no. Uh, so yeah, what, what made you want to start DJing then? 
No, I've been going to parties for a while, dancing, and I was a musician already. I've been playing the guitar for a while. Mm-hmm. So I decided I was going to DJ and just bought records. Mm-hmm. One week I uh, used to call Halo at Hip House and listen to records over the phone. Oh, yeah. Dude, yeah. somebody was telling me about that. <laughs> I think Brian Stevens was talking about that from back in the day. Yeah. So how'd you, how'd you go, go about getting your first setup then? My buddy had techniques in a mixer so there's like there's tony markham who's who was already a dj and already owned the stuff and then myself and my friend jeff farrow my friend nate mitchell all bought records at the same time and started like the same day and there's those two are two legends in omaha right now too they've been around for a long time djing for a long time still so there all the three of us started the exact same day we bought our records together we all lived in this little house and we just took turns djing 24 hours a day there's always music <laughs> somebody was always playing and that's how i learned so, did you, you started playing house music then? Yeah, I started playing house. Do you remember like some of the first records you bought? Um, the Tori Amos Professional Widow remix was one of the first records I bought. Um, I'm sure there's an underground construction record in there somewhere of the first ones that I bought. Mm-hmm. So when you were buying your records, was, was there a record store in Nebraska at no, all? No, we had to call. We said I called Halo at Hip House. Okay. For probably two, or two and a half or three years and ordered records from over the phone. Where were they based out of? Uh, Chicago. Yeah. Oh, okay. Chicago. Did you ever uh, make trips to go to record stores back in the no, day? Or? Just they were too far away. They were all like eight hours away. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Did you go to parties in like the surrounding cities, or did, like were you traveling at all to go to shows? Yeah, everywhere. And, yeah. Every weekend, if there was a party somewhere, we were we were going there. Des Moines, Kansas City, St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Um, Lincoln had smaller parties sometimes, but definitely Kansas City and Des Moines. Des Moines were some of the most fun parties I've ever been to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what Do you remember what shows those were? No, these were in like 98. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think who it is. Probably earlier than that. There's probably 94. So, so how did you get involved in the scene then in I just Nebraska? knew everybody who was, you know, trying to throw parties and I kind of got in with them and started throwing parties with them and started throwing my own parties. And pretty tight-knit crowd? Yeah, pretty a good crew. Very good crew. There's drama, of course, because it was a young rave scene. But. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> were the... it was, it was a, everybody was pretty respectful. Mm-hmm. So uh, house music is what you started getting into. Were there other uh, electronic scenes that came out in Nebraska? Like, did they have a drum and bass scene at all? Or? It was all in Omaha. It was all one scene. All one scene all in one, the beginning? Was, yeah, it was all one scene. Every party had house and trance and drum and bass and breaks and hip-hop and yeah know, kind of the same the, same thing in iowa too yeah there was no separation of the genres mm-hmm. so. did you have an actual crew like or production team that was throwing shows was, or? Oh, all kinds of different people i worked with um let's see dot com back in the day we threw a few parties i think he's in tennessee now or kentucky's mm-hmm. in kentucky now uh who else i threw parties with I, I actually did most of my events when i was at the 415 I, there was a club in Omaha that I was a part of as a resident DJ and then I booked for the last three years I was there all the acts <clears throat> and we brought phenomenal artists there mm-hmm. and that was probably and we, I just ran under the 415 that was just part of part of the club mm-hmm. didn't have a crew did you guys have difficulty finding spots to go all night in Nebraska? yeah um, we didn't it kind of came to a screeching halt one night there was um, we'd been throwing these massive events which is like four or five thousand people with like headliners like Bad Boy Bill and Richard Humphrey yeah. and 
like four or five huge headliners a night, just the craziest <laughs> parties you could imagine because we were being backed by the cops. You're being backed? Yeah, they were these cops were paying for the parties. They were running security. They were making an enormous amount of money. That is, those are some smart cops right there. <laughs> yeah, and we we had we were fine to run all night because we had cops. Running yeah, it's safe space, so man. It's safe. We were in a warehouse and uh, this. The music, the, the warehouse wasn't sound enough for what we were doing, and this beam fell out of the ceiling and hit this girl on the head. Oh, fuck. And, <laughs> like, how heavy of a beam? Like, it, like a support beam, like, fell. Oh, my head. God. She, she survived? Yeah, she survived, but she was the daughter of one of the uh, city councilmen in Omaha. And the next day, parties were done. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> That dude, that's how it always is. Like, we went from 4,000 to like we found a club that fits 150 people, and that's what we can do on the weekend in Omaha now. Is 150 people will come out to really want to hear the music. Yeah, it used to be 4,000 people. So that was so was that just, pretty detrimental to the yeah, scene then? Yeah, it crushed the scene, completely crushed the scene. Yeah, it's, it's so crazy. It's just how something like that can just completely just take away from it all. Um, we did get up to a couple 2,000 person parties at a, like a legal after hours club but we would have to kick everybody out at 145 and then let people back in at 2 to check IDs again because they had to put all the liquor away and you couldn't do that with people in the clubs so oh wow it was a strange you know parties off for 15 minutes yeah yeah but they weren't as ne never as big as those like crazy you know 4,000 people and I'm on a couch upstairs in the VIP room with dot com and a couple of the DJs of the night, and there's two strippers on the table in front of us, like full sixty nine on each other. Ah! It's like for entertainment. They're there for entertainment. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Bust out some lines <laughs> on her yeah. back. Yeah, basically, it's, you know, they get up and they're sitting on my lap, all just naked, just sitting. There and, like, <laughs> and that's that's ninety eight, ninety eight, probably ninety nine. So when when did the that beam happen? Ninety nine. Ninety nine. Yeah. Came crashing down. <laughs> Damn, yeah. man. Yeah, they, there was kind of a similar thing. I mean, I didn't start partying or get into to raves and, and rave culture until uh, 2006. And I would have been, I was like 20, 21. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I when that started, in, or when I got into the scene in Iowa, like, Psytrance was just taking over. Oh, yeah, Jeff Zelnia. Yeah, yeah, he, he <laughs> threw, yeah, started throwing those, uh, I've known the him Mage, long time. Mage yeah. 3 and uh, stuff like that. And uh, it really blew up. And honestly, I don't. I mean, it was it was awesome back in the day, man. I don't, I don't think they make psytrance like they used to. Like it used to. The, the parties they used to have were just the the dance floors would be packed until like ten in the morning, literally. Like no one would leave, and it was it just would not stop. And then uh, the mind outside guys who were who were like le carrying the torch, uh, who kind of like took took over from what Jeff had introduced to Iowa. The mind outside guys threw this party in uh, outside of Fairfield, Iowa, which Fairfield uh, is like this super hippie kind of town. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, more I guess spiritual, like Zen town. Like, I guess the Maharishi is set up there. Like, oh. it, it's there's like a big school for boot. Is it might be Buddhism or, or Hinduism, something along those lines. But they threw this festival at this these uh, our friend's farm who had a spot, and there's probably like probably 200 200 people there max but uh i guess uh, they had done a little promotion around the town because you know it's kind of like free spirit like forward thinking people in in a sense you know and uh this this kid who was like 
just out of high school and I guess he was uh, like similar to the earlier case we were talking about like the son of a mayor or the son of somebody that's involved with the city and like he just it was his first time at a party and first time experimenting with various substances and uh he he just got super weird he was there by himself didn't come with anyone and like at some point he was like in his tent with the door open and like jerking off like and people see him like what the fuck like and just being like he was being super creepy and stuff and they ended up like kicking him out and like they they just got him out of there because he was like really fucking up the vibe or you know anything and I, I think he had to like walk back to town or something like he got dropped off at the event or whatever and he just he went back and like he had to leave all his stuff and like he came back just like wrecked and you know fucked up on whatever and the the dad or whatever city council member whatever he was after that point he had it was his goal in life to bring down mind outside and it was kind of like a big part of what uh, brought that the whole scene down or the whole side scene for sure because they would like throw any any party they would throw like he would contact the police and say this is an event where they're going to be doing all this fucked up shit and like even if a party was in Des Moines like three hours yeah. away and like he even like instigated he pointed out to the cops that there's a law that in like uh, I think the city of Des Moines you're not allowed to dance after 2am yeah that's a yeah. lot we fought for uh, we there's a few parties that got shut down back in the day because of that. Like we we were raving hard at two a.m. Bonkers, man! Cops show up and shut it down. Yeah, I couldn't believe that shit. Any time they tried to do a party, this guy was it was he did everything he could to just make it stop. And even when the parties did go on, they were harassed. And it was just like, what? Wow. Don't you have anything better to do? And it went on for like two years. Like I said, it was like the kind of the the beginning of the falling out of the side scene because of this guy. And it's like, you, if he had any idea what he was really doing and what he was taking away from, you know, the crowd and, yeah. and what is that, what actually goes on at these events and, and the beauty of from behind it all. It's, it's so nuts, man. When people really don't know what, what they're, what they're affecting, I guess, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and we're not all like his son. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> none of us. In fact, none of us are. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, that's a very rare occurrence to see somebody in that state at a party. So you, when did you, you started throwing parties in 97, you were saying? 97 then? probably, yeah. Okay, cool. And then, uh, when did that, uh, when did, uh, being involved in electronic music and such evolve to producing? I, like I had tried a few, um, just simple DOS programs. Um, and in the like late nineties, but they weren't very complex. You couldn't really do much with them. They're like sample samplers and stuff. Mm-hmm. It. And then it's probably 2004 when I decided I was going to teach myself and I got fruity loops and just started messing with fruity loops mm-hmm. and probably wrote 10 or 11 things before I really thought I kind of knew what I was doing. Like uh-huh. it, took, it took a while. I taught myself. There was nobody else. Nobody else in Omaha was messing with this stuff. So, could you classify the style of your first stuff? I, or just... I don't, not really. It was, it was pretty sample heavy. Just kind of beats. Just like trying to figure out how things are put together. Mm-hmm. Um, so I used a lot of samples. Do you think Fruity Loops is a good place to start if you're... Yeah. I think it's a good place to start. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that you, you should move to Ableton or Logic at some point. But mm-hmm. It's a good place to start. So when did you uh, transition to the, the other programs? Ableton 
probably 2007 and just started putting stuff out mm-hmm. and most of it got signed and, um, some of it got played by some decent artists my first release out of Ableton got uh, charted by Sergey Devant oh no that was yeah that had to have been 2006 or 2007 mm-hmm. that happened yeah uh, so were you producing house music or techno like tech, techie stuff mostly techie stuff mm-hmm. yeah like tech house were you doing vocals or anything like that nature uh, just if I if I got a remix pack with vocals I would mess with them but I didn't have a vocalist or anything uh, so how did how did yeah how did producing evolve from there then just stuck with Ableton and kept at it and did some collaborations with some people and learned some stuff from them and mm-hmm. just keep going yeah okay. so yeah while this is going on how did uh how was the scene i guess in 99 the scene got shot down like yeah. you said but how did how did it progress it was it was a club scene from then on out yeah no more parties there, mm-hmm. there were never parties really after that some younger kids like these days try to throw what they think are raves but yeah <laughs> but oh, what? all the all the people that listen to underground stuff go to clubs they're all older they're all in their 30s they'll yeah, they don't wear fuzzy boots. wasn't Wasn't there a bowling alley that you guys used to do parties at in Omaha or something? Um, I never threw in a bowling alley. I think uh, what's his name helped throw. I think Cubit threw a party, and I think uh, do you know Felix from Minneapolis? No, I think yeah. I don't know. I, I remember hearing about one. It was actually yeah, because my girlfriend my girlfriend went to one with some friends from Minneapolis to this mm-hmm. bowling alley party in uh, Omaha she she saw Curtis play uh, Curtis O'Brien yeah. the destroyer and uh, you know years later you know didn't think anything of it and like after she like I introduced him to her or introduced her to him out here she's uh, she's like he looks so familiar and then like a few weeks later she's going through some old old photos mm-hmm. and there's a picture of him DJing at the volume like holy shit that's where I've seen him before playing awesome. in playing in uh, Nebraska at the one party I went to out there uh, otherwise I think I remember didn't, weren't there like some boat parties on, yeah I was part of that, that you were part of that, that. Yeah, I, I remember that through those. those were fun we'd uh just it would be all local guys we'd switch you know switch in and out I think I played probably six out of the eight of them didn't matter what time you played because music didn't start until the boat left the boat ramp it was a big river boat 400 people on it three levels uh huge sound system five thousand dollars with the lights looked like a spaceship going down, down oh the wow and at nine o'clock we'd take off and all 400 people are aboard so every set was a good set because there was always just a pile of people dancing the whole yeah. time there was a good 100 people at a time dancing yeah it was Epic that parties, epic yeah. parties. That reminds me of the the boat parties they had in Detroit. I don't know if they still do them, but they they had a big boat that took off on like Saturday or Sunday night of the party, and yeah, you literally couldn't yeah. get off the boat until like six in the morning, yeah. and yeah, they'd so have we'd, like we'd go nine to two, so we'd park at two. Oh, cool! So there's five hours. I'm mean, you know by people are kind of dancing at nine, but by like eleven when everybody's been to the bathroom. 
everybody's dancing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. So who? How, how did that even get set up, or what kind of boat was the boat used for? It was a, just a big for? river boat that they do sh- all kinds of shows, and they do concerts on it. Like, yeah, probably like and wedding and receptions yeah. and, and shit we, like, like that. We were one of their best customers because we always sold that thing out. We were sold out every single show. Mm-hmm. There were people standing at the dock like that thought they could get tickets that we were waiting to. <laughs> Peace <laughs> out. See you later, man. You <laughs> <out> tickets. <laughs> What what years did that happen from then? That was in the 2001, 2002, 2003, 2004. Yeah, so for all you non-believers, Nebraska and Iowa had legendary parties. (laughs) How did how did your style evolve over the years then? And did it did producing affect your DJing or the music you're into either? Um, Yeah, it kind of did. I I think the music is more affecting my producing Mm -hmm. now. That, that I'm into like if I if I'm kind of I, I switch between house and techno in my head like I just have this switch that kind of <laughs> I know that feeling <laughs> <laughs> and um, so if I'm like if house is making me happy and making me dance and that's what I want to play then I'll produce houseier stuff and if I'm playing more techno I'll produce techier stuff Fine. Yeah. depends on the mood <laughs> that's yeah. cool so, uh, so like that's been my two styles for a long time I started in techno in 99 person in Omaha to play techno everybody hated it first time they heard it it was so repetitive but yeah, yeah. they got into it eventually mm-hmm. <laughs> so I've been switching from house if you stay in it long enough that's that's kind of the common denominator yeah. <laughs> you force yourself to listen to it for a few shows then you're good to go after that <laughs> exactly <laughs> it clicks once it clicks there's there's no mm-hmm. going back <laughs> uh, so then when did you uh, make the move to Colorado 2009 I moved here okay and uh, what made you want to move here? Family. Yeah, family out here? Yeah, my kids are out here. My kids moved out here for my kids. In Denver? Yeah, in Denver. Oh, okay, cool. And then, uh, were, so there, there, were, there weren't any other prospects or? No, I, there was, I was moving here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> were, you, were you happy to get out of oh, Nebraska? Yeah, I was, actually. <laughs> I think I had done what I could do there. And I need to... So you're, how many years were you there? Or when did you? I was there for 15 years in Omaha. Like, doing being part of a big, you know, that scene for 15 years. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of a, I'm going to go try to do something in a different city. Now. Yeah, absolutely. Now that I've done this. What was the state of the scene when you got here in 2009? It was great. I I had the easiest transition of anybody, anybody could ever have. I've been playing out here since 2006. I knew everybody out here. I knew Shay Delaney. I knew Devin. I knew Josh Mankey. They were, they were my buddies. So mm-hmm. I brought them to Omaha. I'd come out here to play a few times. So I moved out here. How'd you meet them? Uh, through I played out here I had came the first time I came out here was like 2000 probably 4 3 2003 and I just put up on a message board hey I'm coming to Denver if you want to play in Omaha I can get you out here if you let me play and it was um, it was Panos and Josh Mankey mm-hmm. that I met that night that oh, decided, wow. to have me, decided to have me come out and play with them so, so Panos who's in Omaha now, he used to live here, and Josh Mankey, who's a huge part of the scene, were the first two people I met out here, and I just we just became really good friends from there, and the, the two scenes became very intertwined because everybody from Omaha knew everybody from Denver, mm-hmm. so it was a very easy transition for me. Yeah, yeah. And I was coming out here playing once a year at least, maybe twice a year, mm-hmm. so it was... I where just, where I would you play out here when you came? I played at the church, I played at Beta, Played main stage at Beta in like 2009. Awesome. I played uh, the church three times, headline all three times. 
So did did you have any involvement in Josh Mankey meeting Mandy? Yeah, I, yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. I introduced them actually. I uh, that's I, yeah, I just like I'm just putting it together. I'm like, she's from Nebraska, yeah. so she, you've known her she's, since. She's one of my homies for a long time. Yeah, yeah. she was 16, I think. She was coming to my club when she was probably 16. Or she's an animal. <laughs> I love Mandy. She's an animal. <laughs> yep. So yeah, I introduced those two. How long after they met did they get together then? That like that. They started dating like that week. Yeah, they just. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome, man. <laughs> and they're married. They're happily married, married now. Yeah, married. yeah, friggin' sweet. Um, yeah. So I, I mean, yeah, that kind of answers that question. That yeah, you got you just got involved because you already had already the had been involved connections yeah. out here mm-hmm. and stuff. Uh, did you did you start throwing parties when you got out here, or was it more? That was just more playing parties. Mm-hmm. Playing for the like the, the Poonches crew. I played for them quite a few times. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aaron Gabat was throwing some parties with like Paco Suna or I think he brought I think he brought uh, Trey Pierce out once and so I was playing those parties too uh, how different was living in uh, Omaha versus living in Denver and like the scenes and what they had to offer the Denver scene is a thousand times better than it's, it's there's always good music yeah all the time it's very rare to get a headliner once a month in Omaha and we have three a weekend here, mm-hmm. so it's just yeah. no difference. There's yeah, no that difference. adjustment when you make that move from like, because I remember, man, like I I would go to Chicago for at least once a month to go to a mm-hmm. show, and here, good luck keeping up. You just, trying you to miss a show, you're like, well, I'll just see you next time. Yeah, 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 it's like fuck. Oh my god, <laughs> it's just constantly like yeah. you have to. You literally cannot. I can't. Keep... I can't party that hard anymore. I can't. Yeah, I yeah, and even nice. if you could party like that, you still couldn't. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Because it's, it's just, just every weekend. I mean, and not just weekends. There's weeknights. Like, there's multiple. It's, it's just always constant. And, yeah. And there's there's so much good music out here. It's We're, we're spoiled beyond belief. Yeah, we are. Like, and, like, with Beta, it's like, I mean, all that shit's free, too. It's like, like, fucking Sunday night, Steve Bug was playing, and I'm like, I know, I was like, I need to sleep. <laughs> it's just like, like, I, was up till, I was up till six at Echo House, two nights in a row, Friday and Saturday night. And yeah, like, yeah. It's just like, oh, oh man. <laughs> I'll see him next time. Exactly, on. exactly. <laughs> Did the uh, new in- environment of living in Colorado affect your style of uh, DJing or your production? Yeah, I, I think I really started concentrating on tech your stuff, tech house and techno more. Mm-hmm. Really, that was my thing. For I didn't play much house music for like two or three years. It was just all techno mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah, didn't you? Didn't you at together this last year? Didn't you play all original? Yeah, I played all. Original, yeah, yeah. All original I remember? Yeah, I remember listening. Like, and then you're like, "Oh yeah, those are all originals." Like, good God, man, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> Do you think the scene has changed much since you've been here, or just? Yeah, I think it's a, gotten a lot better. I think even gotten, better. I think it's gotten way more close knit. Like. There's been a lot of great additions mm-hmm. to, to what's going on. Like Paul Anthony has been a great addition. He's done a ton of stuff for the scene in the last few years. He's, Midwest. Yeah, Midwest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's done. He's done a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a good guy to work with. And the Echo House guys too. Like those three yeah, guys, Echo House is awesome. They, they're like that's like home to me. It's like the hub of the yeah. Scene here. It's, I'm so happy that they. It was it was heartbreaking when they lost the old location and like. I knew but, they were gonna get a better. Place, yeah, yeah. Needed a better place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the new location is so great. It's just mm-hmm. so far beyond anywhere where people it's would way, want to. It's fuck way closer to my house too, which is very nice. 
Mm-hmm. Like it's only like a 15 minute drive and the other one was 40 minutes away. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that south side was, uh, that, that was the, the unfortunate part was having to go way south on Broadway to get there. Once moving to Denver, is there any new opportunities that present themselves or? Just, I got to write some tracks with Shade Laney. Mm-hmm. It was nice. Like we, we did five or six tracks together. Um, getting just getting to work with people I don't normally get to work with. Her and Omar I did a track with him a couple years ago, like three years ago. He opened for Elkie Klein. Oh yeah. Thursday. Um, I did. A track yeah, with, he played good too. I, did a I track liked with it. him like three years ago. Oh cool. And that gave me the opportunity to like work with some people I wanted to work with. Awesome. Or well, what are the highlights of your production? Like what what's been released or in the past? Like what kind of releases have you had? Or I you know I I tend to do better remixes. Mm-hmm. So I was doing a lot of remixes for Evoked. And um, probably some of their stuff. I had a track, a remix of. Oh, can't remember, can't remember the name right now. Um, but it it stayed as their number three downloaded track for a full year on like their label. Oh wow. Page. Um, so that was probably a big highlight. That I, I had a, a lot of positive feedback from a lot of bigger DJs from that track a lot of people mm-hmm. playing that who's Evoked or where are they based Evoked on Evoked is based out of Denver yeah, they do Tech House and, and Techno and some Bass House but mostly Tech House and Techno releases cool yeah. uh, how, did, how did you get linked with them it was I was on another label of theirs when I used to write some progressive stuff mm-hmm. uh, and then so I, he asked me to do some Techno and Tech House I just I've been doing remixes for him for a long time probably two years cool cool uh, do you and do you have any upcoming releases that you're looking forward to? Or? Um, I just got two tracks signed on Evoked, the same label. Nice. Uh, but it'll be six months before they're released, probably. Mm-hmm. So gotcha. Nothing pressing right now. How many How many tracks do they put out like regularly? Or they they're on almost 200 releases, I think. Oh, awesome! So they've been when they start. Uh, two years ago. Nice. So that's yeah. That's awesome. They put out quite a few. Cool. So we're coming into the uh, kind of final stretch of the podcast and one of my favorite sections of the podcast, uh, the best and worst section. So what's the, do you have a best and worst musical uh, experience you went to, whether it was a band or a DJ set, Mm. or it could be someone you were like absolutely just excited to see and they totally just sucked ass. The best is probably Further 98. With Richie Houghton doing an eight-hour set. Uh, up in uh, Wisconsin? Wisconsin? Yeah. Oh, man. Have you seen the Have you seen the Daft Punk documentary that yeah, just was, came out? I was at that show, too. You were there the yeah. year before? Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, I went to the first further in 94. Oh, wow. That's that's <laughs> one of my favorite campgrounds in the world. That's the best festival on the planet. That was... The, that was the, there, nobody else was doing stuff like they were doing mm-hmm. anywhere in the country. That was just an enormous festival. Four or 5,000 people there crazy that campground is just it was out of control campground too like they, <sighs> most of those people gave zero fucks about what was going on they did whatever they wanted to do <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that campground you can literally feel it like just there's so much history there man <laughs> it's yeah. a, it's a legendary spot i love it there that was my first three day was a side party those hardcore, at, those at, hardcore guys from milwaukee like, uh, Dormouse. Dormouse. Yeah. <laughs> that was my. That's that's who I hung out with half the time. I could take it full time, but then they went they went a little too far sometimes. I didn't follow. Yeah. yeah. But those guys. For uh, 
for the for people for the for the younger audience, you should kind of give a breakdown of who Dormouse was because it was well, before my time. But I've I've heard so, stories upon stories. Well, I met the first time I saw Dormouse. He was um, he was meat, and that's he, that his act was called meat. And he walked into this tent and he uh, is buck naked and he's got this big piece of meat in his hand and he's taking bites off it and he spits it raw raw meat and he hits me in the chest with this piece of meat <laughs> and like. He's just like spitting all his meat at people, walking around naked, bends over, sticks a pair of keys up his ass. Oh. <laughs> He's like, wow, this guy knows how to party. This, this is, he would do hardcore stuff like this all the time. I saw him once take a bottle of Jack Daniels out of somebody's hand that was not, had not been open, open it, chug the whole thing right there. And somebody he, else's somebody Jack Daniels. Somebody else's Jack Daniels, the whole bottle. <laughs> and I think within an hour, like he had ran into somebody's tent. And was like screaming fire, fire, and like in the middle of this, like you know, all these kids probably just waking up from an acid trip, <laughs> freaking him out. They're like, he, he poured a whole bottle of motor oil on somebody's windshield. He uh, tried to <laughs> try to steal a trampoline, <laughs> just n- naked, but mind you, the whole mm-hmm. time, no clothes on at all. Yeah, and he played hardcore, he played right? Hardcore, hard yeah, crazy. I mean, he was one of the best DJs I've ever seen. He was so good. He could wow. blend anything with anything. And that's, so, yeah, that's so, saying he was something. so talented as a DJ, so he didn't really have to be this crazy, but he was just... He just was, he just yeah, was. yeah. And, and it's it, kind of an act, I think. Right now, he's in Florida, and he, he's a, a personal trainer, and he's just jacked. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And he doesn't do uh, meat anymore. But yeah, yeah. He's, Nick, he's very normal to talk to, very like, you know, he's, he doesn't sound crazy at all. Wow. When you talk to him. He's, I yeah. Know, he's very good at it, very good on stage. Yeah, Nick Nick Payne was telling me that uh, when they booked him, it, it was in his like contract. It was a requirement that they had to have a line of speed for him ready right before he went on stage. <laughs> like always, just yep. make sure I got that speed. Yeah, sure that speed. <laughs> that sounds right. Yeah. So that's wild. He he. Nick was actually saying they were they were thinking about bringing him back because they think he would do it if you offered it. Or I mean, yeah, I I played with him in Minneapolis. Three years ago at one of Woody's events. Oh really? Yeah. Basegasm? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I played a basegasm yeah. uh, when Detroit Pumas. Detroit Pumas. Yeah, when yeah. they played that, I played that one. Nice. I actually, I hadn't heard of him at the time, but uh, the guy that played right after me was Crazy Larry. Really? And <laughs> yeah, I was like, <laughs> and then I had no idea. And then nice. like I sh- short, like a few weeks later, I found out. I was like, holy fuck! I was like <laughs> opening for. A Pretty pretty big deal. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, and I I love Woody. Woody's yeah, Woody's, Woody's such a good Woody's guy. One of my friends. He's definitely a friend. More like more than just yeah, you know, yeah. He comes out here every November to play in Electric November. Pony. Yeah, I'm always fucking gone for family shit. It sucks because I, I love seeing that guy. Yeah, so I kind of got off track, but that's cool. Uh, but uh, worst performance you've ever seen? I don't know. I've seen a lot of bad ones. Um, so I've seen a lot of bad ones. I don't want to like name specific names because I don't want to call yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. You know, but some of the minus people that were brought to the 415 were a little disappointing. Mm-hmm. Um, that was probably the most disappointing ones where like you, know, you really think this artist is going to be awesome. And you paid top huge, dollar paid, for it too. Yeah. You paid quite a bit of money for that little club for this artist. Mm-hmm. They're just not a trainer could half the time. Yeah. <laughs> that That's kind of the... The th- thing about the Midwest too is like you bring in these headliners and 
all, all the Iowa or ne- Nebraska, what have you, artists just spin circles around. Yeah. I'm like, why, why are we even paying? We're going to get the same amount of people to come. Like, <laughs> we're spending, we're wasting money on people who are disappointments. And yeah, that happened all too often, yeah. man. Well, all too often. So yeah, what's, uh, what's in your mind the best set you've ever played and the worst set? I've had a lot of worse sets. <laughs> way worse. <it. clears throat> um, probably some of them way back when I just first started DJing. Mm-hmm. Where I was, there's probably some sets where I should have been on stage. Like I just didn't have it together that night. Didn't have it quite. Everybody has bad nights when they first start, though. Mm-hmm. You have to have bad nights to have a bunch more good nights. But um, yeah, there were probably some of those parties where I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> I shouldn't have been up there. I shouldn't have been up there. It's good to be able to admit that, though. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of the best parties. Thing, one was I opened for Benny Benassi in Houston with Shay Delaney, two thousand eight or nine. I can't remember. And uh, we played in front of like five thousand people. Holy shit, man! Uh, the guy before us was scared to death of the crowd. You could tell he was like buried in the turntables, wasn't looking up. And the crowd was not responding at all. So I walked out to the front of the stage and, and put my hand in the air and said, are you ready to fucking do this? And, and before he even, I even transitioned from his track to still his track playing, I started like, you know, getting the, the crowd and like 5,000 people turn around and look at me and go, that guy. And they all <laughs> started doing this. It was insane. What shit. was the venue? It was uh, Riches in Houston. There's a whole, you know, upstairs full of people and downstairs full full of people. It's so a club? Many, so many people. It was an after hour spot. Like oh, okay. After hour stuff. So many people there. 4,000, 5,000. Wow. And Shay and I owned them for an hour and a half. Like, That's awesome, man. That was the craziest party all around I've ever been involved with. I, uh, How'd some, you get involved with that? Uh, with um, a couple of guys from Houston, know, DJ Red and Josh DuPont. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was bringing them so they brought me back and they gave me couldn't give me a better show to play yeah that's fantastic man there was a after I was done I was walking backstage I usually go to the crowd talk to people afterwards you know say hi whatever I was scared I had people trying girls trying to jump on stage while we were playing trying to take our shoes off crazy (laughs) yeah it was like a totally rock star (laughs) the most rock star moment of my entire life Um, backstage these two guys like hey you want some cocaine just gave me this tiny little like tiny little bit and I was like oh whatever did I do cocaine all day long and like no just trust me this is all you want this tiniest little bit of cocaine I've ever done and I was so high <laughs> for like an hour it's like so high I had to sit down I'd never been that that geeked on one little bump of cocaine in my life and those guys took care of me the rest of the weekend like everywhere I went those guys were there with this little bump every like two hours I had a group of like 15 girls Wanted to come meet us. They brought them all backstage. There's all these girls like dressed like total whores, <laughs> <laughs> all over us, like all trying to get us. And I was married at the time, and luckily I had my friend Jessica there. She's from Omaha, but she lived in Houston, and I was staying with her. And so she got them away for me. So I just—it was like so, so surreal. Like this is what a rock star lives like. That. Yeah. Every weekend it was like that. It was, oh, man. it was amazing. I got picked up in a big black limo and taken back to the airport in a big black limo. Uh, that's awesome. How was Benassi's set? Good. He was the shortest guy I've ever met. He was oh, really? so tiny. 
so tiny, but he was very thankful. He shook my hand. He was very thankful. Thank you, thank you, mm-hmm. thank you. Have you seen Steve Waller before? Uh-uh. Dude, that guy is... Really? Yeah, fantastically short. <laughs> and I, I know for a fact, because I, I remember we I went to Wavefront in Chicago a few years ago, uh, and he played one of the stages, and like he played right after Guy Gerber, and you couldn't, and Guy Gerber's tall as fuck, but you could tell that, uh, I mean... It wasn't obvious that he was any shorter until he, Steve Lawler played the after party at a spy bar with uh, Gregor Tresher. Mm-hmm. And Gregor Tresher is also a fucking really tall guy. And Steve Lawler, when he got on, I, I can't remember if I'd met him or just seen him on stage, but he was he was way short. He's like fucking 5'2", five, five probably, oh, something like that. Like and like, yeah, yeah. So it was like, oh my God, he I guarantee he uses friggin' Like a fucking Stand. standing stool, yeah, <laughs> like his yeah. gigs. <laughs> so yeah, the I guess yeah, you cut, we covered worst set and everything. Uh, so yeah, what's the best and worst festival you've ever been to? Further's the best. Festival. Is there their year that sticks out um, for sure, or is it kind of how many did you go to? Three or four, at least three, maybe four. Mm-hmm. Um, went to the first one, then it was ninety eight and ninety nine. I might have went ninety six too. Mm-hmm. I think they were they were all awesome. How many people were at those? There were the ninety eight, ninety nine. There were like four thousand plus people. Wow, that's amazing. Because the, the years I've gone, or the times I've gone, uh, there's been, I think the most that's ever been there's been like eight hundred, and that's oh, like wow. that's a good amount of people. Yeah. But I I just can't imagine. Imagine, I remember, yeah, just hearing stories from people like, and they're like 19 stages, yeah, like just like ridiculous. every, like every. One of the best moments was the uh, when Dormouse he has he has this like 30,000 watt sound system overlooking the bowl. Everybody's all the music's in the bowl, and he's up on top with his bowl, and music stops at, um, I think from 6 a.m. to to noon on all outside stages except the main stage. But I think at 11. Dormouse decided to put on uh, Johnny Cash Folsom Prison Live at Folsom Prison the whole album and blasted 30,000 watts over the entire bowl of people uh. <laughs> trying to sleep <laughs> dude I've had that was, a... one, that was one of the best moments of that party that was like it was perfect it was so perfect I had a I've had a similar experience to that there was a there was a party up in uh, two hours north of Minneapolis called Field Trip uh, that uh, Hardcore Nate threw with uh, that guy felix i was talking about and uh the party kind of fell apart like it was it was like a it was like a five-stage party like a, a lot a lot of side trance but there was also i mean yeah. a, a techno stage a drum and bass stage all this and then do you know uh centrific from minneapolis yeah. okay so centrific had hit the this outpost stage that was like in the far corner of uh the venue like way away from anything and he was going to play, at some point, he was going to play a six, like a 16-hour, maybe longer set. So we're like, we're setting our tent up right there. I want minimal techno. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's where I want to sleep. So we set up our tent, like, uh, like probably, like, half a football field away from his st- his stage. And uh, <laughs> fucking Sunday morning, <laughs> like, I mean, we're listening to Centrific play all night. Just is great. And we go to bed. And then, like, the next morning... For that morning, like, we wake up, and all that is playing is, like, horrible country music. Like, horrible, <laughs> like, I, nice. I'm telling you, man, I've never, I've never experienced this, but when you're at a rave and you've been partying for two days straight, 
and you're trying to get sleep before you gotta make that long trek home and you're hearing country music like the opposite of what you want to hear we woke up i was like oh we're like is, is he seriously doing this right now we get out of the tent and we look over and he's just passed out in a chair with his mouth open leaning back like that was totally his like last fuck you like he'd just been playing for god knows how long and like he's just like going to bed play on like miserable shit oh man that was funny that totally remind me of that <laughs> did you have a, a worst festival that, uh, that you ever went to I haven't to? really been to very many festivals uh huh nothing sticks nothing out nothing really sticks out yeah that. Was there any uh, uh, event that you drove like a long distance to, and it ended well, I'm up? I'm sure there was probably a yeah. couple in Kansas City where like we'd get there and the party's getting shut down when we get there. Or yeah, like that. we drove all the way to Kansas City for nothing. I had that in Chicago a bunch too myself. Yeah. So, uh, are there any crazy stories that stick out in your mind from all the years of partying? Um, that that party was definitely the most rock star. Like, yeah, like, yeah, what was going on here? Uh huh. Kind of moment ever had and then I had a I was in a band for a little while in the late 90s um, and we opened for some big artists we opened for Ziggy Marley and we opened for Two Skinny Jays and we opened for Vanilla Ice I think and, and <laughs> <laughs> what kind of music it was uh, like hip hop influenced rock and then I did DJ stuff I did all the scratching and all that stuff for them mm-hmm. and we were we got second place in the Conan O'Brien College Band Contest like that was actually some of my favorite times of the DJ was that band. Cool. That band was awesome. And crazy stuff happened. You know, like was, I seen Vanilla Ice screaming at the promoter that he won't go on stage until he gets paid. <laughs> like I'm standing right next to him. He's like freaking out on the promoter. Like I'm not going up there until I get paid. <laughs> so they paid him. And he went up on stage. He'll VIP. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool, man. Ziggy Marley wouldn't talk to us because we were white. Wow, yeah. that's weird. Yeah, he's yeah. Rastafarian. They're not. I don't think they're very keen on white people. Oh man, it's... So he wouldn't meet us because we were white. That's that's weird as hell. <laughs> well, cool, man. Yeah, we'll kind of wrap this up and uh, get you on the decks here. Uh, anything uh, on the horizon here in the coming future? You're looking forward to this year? I'm just looking forward to this year. Yeah, it's going to be a good year. I think everybody I know had a pretty crappy year last year things just didn't go right mm-hmm. for a lot of people it's time for that to change it's yeah everybody to have a good year so I, i'm, I'm looking forward to uh being able to go to de- or uh <clears throat> host together again and not be in crutches yeah <laughs> yeah that'll be nice <laughs> that should've, was should got a golf cart that yeah exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> well we should just get one anyway for yeah. this year <laughs> So, uh, if people want to uh, check out your tunes and stuff online or your internet presence, where can they find you? Uh, SoundCloud, Mixcloud. Yeah. Just look up Aaron Just Lee. Look up Aaron Lee. Okay. I'll show up. Right on. I'll, I'll I can post the links in the uh, Beatport too. I've got stuff on Beatport as well. Oh, okay, cool. I'll uh, I can post that stuff in the uh, description of the right. podcast. So uh, the links will be right there. Uh, any upcoming gigs or releases or anything else you want to plug? Just this uh, party on Friday at Echo House. Yeah, Swivel, Swivel Art Gallery, Art Gallery yeah. at Echo House this weekend. It's uh, 10 bucks to get in and uh, BYOB. And uh, starts at 9, goes till 6. So yeah, Lots of good stuff there. Live art, Kevin's art, other people's art. I imagine the Void Sound System will still the be there. Void Sound System will be there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So. Things nice. 
Yeah, definitely. I haven't played on the void, so I'm I'm looking for I'm looking forward to that. (laughs) Uh, Cool, man. Well, thanks for uh, coming on and being another guest. It's good to hear uh, another uh, soul from the Midwest and and what brought you out here and everything, man. So thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem, man. Uh, And yeah, before we get this on, what's uh, what can we expect from the mix? Uh, I've got some tracks I think I want to play from Joseph Capriati and Dave Stingley and some hand pot, some fun stuff. Yeah, check now. All right, you heard the man. Uh, well, here we go, folks, with Aaron Lee, Techno. Let's go.
Thank you. 
about wrap it up for this week's episode. Thanks again to Aaron Lee for giving us a little history lesson on the Nebraska scene and for the fantastic mix. We'll be back with a new episode here in the next week or so with Denver native Devin Gilmer. Take care, guys, and we'll catch you later.